The Askell Business Brunch. Hello and welcome to the Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business Leadership Specialist. And I'm Julia Harnden, Askell's Funding Specialist. And I'm Louise Hatswell and I'm Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist. And uh, a warm welcome to our podcast. It's been um, it's been an interesting return to to school and college life um, this half term as we've come back for the new academic year. Um, for for me and our Askel colleagues, we've been back on the road out at events, and one of the the uh, sort of key events that we've had so far this year were our autumn leadership conferences, and um, that's where the specialists get together and we prepare a set of. Um, a set of sessions where we cover our our individual specialist policy areas and give you the latest information that that you need to know for the term and for the year to he- year ahead. Um, now we split those between us, so I did a couple of those. I was uh, with delegates in Birmingham and Manchester, and I know Julia and Louise, you were at some of the the other events that we did. Um, how did you find them? What was it like for you guys being back out on the road? I really enjoyed it. It was great to be back out and meeting uh, members again and. Uh, and actually being face to face with colleagues as well as we've been just behind screens for so long. So it was really, really uh, great to speak to members. And it's that um, apart from, you know, being able to speak to them face to face and, and deliver the sessions as we do, it's that networking in the breaks and actually them being able to come and tell you the things, you know, that they're finding really challenging or things that they've really appreciated from the session that you've just done. So I found that really, really, um, uh, it's just inspiring as well to you know to hear some of the stories over the last 18 months and see how they've coped with uh, the absolutely amazing work that they've done over the uh, throughout the pandemic and is still ongoing as you know a lot of people keep referring the pandemics over it's clearly not and Julia what were the sort of key messages that, that you were giving to delegates during your session Thanks, Hayley. So my session at the Leadership Conference this year focused on funding and operations. So we talked about uh, recovery funding. We talked about the spending review and what settlements for the next three years would mean for education. As as far as we know, we don't have as much detail as we we would like yet. And we looked um, on the operations side at things like changes to the, um, the Academy Trust Handbook, what's happening on the ground with regard to CO2 monitors, for example. And we also had the opportunity, because we were all in the same room, to use the voting systems and ask questions about supply chain issues, for example, or um, the summer schools programme and whether leaders would like to repeat that if it were fully funded. I agree, Julia. And I think as well for me, it's those sort of uh, water cooler conversations as well. The sort of there's the conversations that you have with colleagues that are there, but there's also those really um, insightful conversations that you have with delegates as well. So um, I was talking to some of the delegates about the CO2 monitor rollout and how that was working in their schools and trusts. Um, Also had some really interesting conversations around cybersecurity and insurance cover with some interesting conversations coming out and with some of the difficulties, particularly that schools and colleges are facing in terms of being able to get adequate cover so that sort of first-hand insights really really useful Uh, Louise if we come back to you what were you talking about during your session uh, my session was all around uh, conditions of employment, uh, focusing on recruitment and retention and all the elements within that. Um, one of the things I was really thrilled to be able to do was to be able to uh, inform delegates of the latest position statement that Askell Council have ratified uh, in relation to our business leader members. Uh, which, uh, And I'll read it just so that uh, listeners can be aware of it. And it's uh, the position is business or executive leaders who undertake whole school or trust college responsibilities are an integral part of the leadership team. Askell believes that this should be reflected in their status and their remuneration. 
and where this is not the case, we believe that there should be a review of the business leader's pay to ensure that this crucial role is appropriately recognised and remunerated. So we're able to share that slide uh, with that, that position statement on with uh, delegates. And also, you know, we paid tribute to the work that our business leaders have done over uh, throughout the pandemic, you know, which has just been so wide ranging from setting up testing centres and trying to source hand sanitizers and in primary schools, hand washing stations and things like that and managing all the finance and catch up and the recovery funding. Um, and actually, we would, you know, we urge them to look at if they believe that the business leaders within their establishments aren't paid uh, in parity with those other senior leaders to look at that and review that and to try and do something about that and ensure that, that there's that parity there and that they're receiving the recognition both financially and in their status. The status is important. It's important that school business leaders are seen and recognised as a, a full part of that leadership team. You know, it's uh, we, we, we often see this as a bit of a problem when we see some of the things that the government or the department put out and they refer to a senior leadership team and that they're not referring to business leader members, they're just talking about teachers. You can't have a senior, uh, senior leadership team that hasn't got representation for all those really crucial areas of finance and operations. So it has to include that. So it's just really, really important that that's recognised and that it's recognised internally within establishments so that all staff are aware of that. But actually that's recognised externally and it's something we will continue to push on. Uh, but yeah, it was re really, really good to be able to get that out there to delegates at those events. And I think what's really important there, Louise, is when we're talking about delegates, we tend to attract at the um, autumn leadership conferences, the um, the demographic of the, the delegates tends to be head teachers, deputy heads, assistant heads and CEOs. And I think across the four sessions that we did um, across um, England, normally we do more than what I think we normally do uh, about double that number of sessions. But obviously, we're all being quite tentative, as, as uh, Julia referred to, that we're, we're working through COVID. It's not over. Um, but it's really important that we got those messages out to around 500 delegates that are that are in those senior roles, because I think sometimes we get challenged that, that we aren't talking um, about this enough in front of head teacher and CEO audiences. But this is just a perfect example of how we are doing that. Um, and if anybody wants to find out more information, it was um, fantastic that uh, Louise and I, we were able to write a joint letter for the, uh, the opening message for the November edition of the Business Matters newsletter. That's free to ask all members, which you can either sign up via your login account or it's on the website. Take a look at that because Louise and I go into detail there about the work that we've been doing with our task and finish group. And actually, it was amazing, Louise, wasn't it? From the, um, the those autumn leadership conferences, we've actually had four new members who have joined up who are head teacher, CEOs, principals who want to volunteer to be part of that task and finish group. They want to sit along business leadership colleagues and support the development and the improvement for paying conditions, which I think is really heartening. It is. And I think that that's what one of the, the challenges I, I think to do with school business leader pay and recognition is um, it's getting that message out to everybody and, and trying to find the ways to get that message to people in ways that they will read and they will, you know, so, so finding all those routes. And I think the more people that we've got representing those roles, 
the more information we'll get and insight into the best ways to do that. So, you know, we, we've seen that sometimes it can be, uh, there, there are lots of different barriers that business leaders face in, in relation to this. And it's the things we're going to try and put in place to address each one of those barriers. But having those, that such a wide range of roles from CEOs and head teachers, and we've got every kind of school and phase represented. So I think, you know, we'll leave no stone unturned in the discussions that we have to make sure we try and address as much of that as possible. Absolutely. And, and this isn't just something that you and I have just thought this is suddenly a problem. Let's sort it now. I mean, colleagues before us have been looking at this over the last 10, 15 years and have always been supportive of this position on um, business leaders being recognised and remunerated appropriately. We're just taking on the baton and just doing what more we can to keep those messages shared and to keep um, spreading those messages as widely as we possibly can. And I, and I think the other, the other area we want to take the baton up on as well is workload. I'm hearing from business leaders at the moment saying, generally life for most people is getting back to a a new normality not normal not normal normal but it's getting back to a new normality but actually for me as the business leader i've still got quite a number of covid um things that i've got got to do that are still in place and um uh, julia i don't know whether you've got any insights on this particularly around some of the frustrations around things like the um the status form and some of these expectations that are put on business leaders to do which just is added pressure from a workload point of view Yes, uh, definitely. And, and quite recently, actually, um, it, it's come to our attention that um, on the, the status form, um, the there's a new question, relatively new question on there relating to the school-led tutoring grant um, and an invitation for schools to include on the status form um, how many pupils they are supporting using the school-led tutoring grant. Now, as we understand it, this is not um, a compulsory question to ask. It's a, the Schools don't have to answer this question as part of the data collection to evidence their school-led tutoring grant. There are two other routes for that which are made clear in the school ed tutoring guidance but i think it's it's an example of where um you know i i'm sure whoever it is that's decided that these that this question is going to go on there it is genuinely uh you know it, it comes from the right the right place that we need to find out how this money is being used and how many children are getting support to to catch up on their lost learning um, and they probably just haven't thought hang on a minute you know the same people that are are filling in this form are the people that are having to fill in all the you know a a large number of the other regulatory um, and and compliance returns so it's another it just feels like another burden yeah and and I think as well I don't know whether Louise you're hearing this I I mean I'm hearing my in my sort of local area that actually the impact, um, I think particularly in primary schools now, the number of children and, and families that are being impacted by um, by COVID and, and being unwell is really starting to, to impact. And I think we've seen that in some of the statements that ASCAL have put out in the last week or so on Ofsted and asking for some, just for people to be a little bit more reasonable on, on what their expectations are. Are you hearing similar things on workload? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's kind of, I mean, school business leadership, we, we have to admit, it's always been a heavy workload. It's it, There are never enough hours in the day to get the job done. But then you throw a pandemic into that, um, you know, and particularly with timings of financial years and things like that. There are particular really pinch points of the, of the year that are really, really um, excessive workload anyway. Uh, but I think 
the COVID situation seems to make things just take so much longer. It's like now we're seeing that people are struggling to get supply cover. So whereas you maybe just phone a supply agency, you've got a supply teacher in. It may be you've got to phone six, seven, eight, nine supply agencies, then you can't get anybody. Then, you know, you've got to look at what you can do with regards to cover. So what maybe have been a two minute job before but turns into perhaps an hour job, uh, you know, and, and I think... It's it's about prioritising the things you absolutely have to get done that there will be a consequence if you don't. And I think it's about looking realistically at the workload and thinking, actually, I'm, there are things I cannot do and I need to say no. And I, one of the things I know you've always said in some of the uh, presentations you've done before, Hayley, and it's something that always sticks with me is, what are you going to say no to? Find something you're going to stop doing. You don't need to do everything. So look realistically, take a step back and think, actually, you know, think about if you weren't in school for a week, what wouldn't get done and what would have what would have mattered and, and prioritise those. And if you if it genuinely is the case that you don't you can't get all the work done and this doesn't mean that you need to be working 60, 70 hours a week, if you can't get that work done you need to be looking at some provision for some additional resource to get you through those points. We do it for supply for teaching. So we, you need to look at whether it's some, you know, whether you can get someone else in to help or you can share some tasks out more or do a little bit more delegation and get some admin time that can work extra hours. But you must have prioritised some of that work yourselves as well. So I think it's about learning to say no to some of the things that actually aren't a priority. Absolutely agree, Louis. There's a really good analogy, isn't there? A sporting analogy, um, which is about playing in position, because what can very easily happen in any role when I mean, you know, in school, across all education settings, there's a heck of a lot of goodwill. Um, and there's, you know, it's a vocation for a lot of people, isn't it? We you love working in the sector. Um, so you take on more and more. But you don't think, as you said, about thinking, OK, if I'm doing this, what am I not doing? So thinking about, you know, playing position um, can be just helpful sometimes just to give you a bit of headspace. And, and just remember, you know, you can only do what you can do and you know what that is that you can do and do it well. And don't compromise yourself, really, by taking just feeling um, forced into you know doing too much and spreading yourself too thinly. Uh, yeah, I think that's such good advice because I think you always need to think before you say yes to something is if you say yes to this, what are you saying no to? Because we can't mm. do anything, everything. Um, it's just not possible. So perhaps just thinking a little bit more thoughtfully before you say um, yes or no. And the other one that I, I really like um, is um, a a quick no and a slow yes so that you think about things a little bit more. If you know it's something you definitely can't do, get that no in there quick. If you think it's something that you might be able to do, just take a little bit of time before saying yes and just thinking a little bit more about the decisions that you make um, because that's then because everything you say yes or no to, that is influencing the workload of what you're doing, but also the, the influencing the workload of your team as well. And um, I think we've talked a lot, and I know you talk about this a lot, Julia, about that, um, particularly from a finance point of view, about that this is a team sport. It's not one individual. Um, and so we need to have that sort of thought around how these things are, are, are impacting on each other as well. Absolutely right. And so if we um, move on now to talk about a slightly different topic, something, Julia, that I know um, is, is really at the, the heart of what, what you do and you feel really passionate about this is um, support for funding for children from disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, and you've been having some really interesting conversations this month around the pupil premium grant, about how it can be used and some new information that's out there. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yes, certainly. Thanks very much, Hayley. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was fortunate enough to be involved in an ask, a team ask webinar um, on pupil premium strategy. Um, and it was led by Mark Rowland and our own Margaret Mulholland. So two real experts in the field. So I was really delighted to be part of it. And I think, first of all, to put into context, why did we decide that we needed to do this this webinar? And one of the reasons was that we were hearing from members that they were finding that they got pupil premium grant in some cases unspent. And that was because they were they felt constrained by the conditions of grant and how they could use it and the reporting of it. That was meaning it just wasn't getting through to, to pupils that were eligible for it and needed that level of support. So that was really, really concerning from our point of view. Um, and, and in the the timing coincided very, very well with the launch of um, a new set of pupil premium strategy templates, which uh, schools, we're, we're very familiar with the idea that we, we need to publish our pupil premium strategy on the website. But a new set of templates have been launched um, in the last month uh, that schools now need to use and a date. You need to have these templates up on your school website by the 31st of December 2021. So the conversation through the webinar was really, really informative. And there are one or two things in particular that I just think it's worth us flagging as we're, we're talking now. So one of the, the common frustrations, I think, and has led to this not being uh, pupil premium grant being underspent is, as I say, feeling constrained by the conditions of grant. So. Mark Rowland made it very clear in his uh, session, you know, when you are attaching funding to your pupil premium strategy, you are not attaching funding to a particular activity for a particular child or young person. You are attaching funding to the strategy that you are going to deliver across your school or across your trust to enable those disadvantaged pupils to, to close that gap or to, to better access um, education. So that was really, really key. And he made that really, really clear. So when it's not about attaching the money to an individual child and activity, it's about funding the strategy. And the templates actually are really helpful in that because uh, of the way that they're that they're set out. Um, and the other point that, that we discussed at, at length um, was about drawing together pots of funding and particularly relevant at the moment because we've got a pupil premium grant, which we get always we've had for the last 10 or so years, 10 or 11 years now. And then at the moment, we've got um, access to recovery premium as part of um, the COVID recovery programme. And that's going to be um, available for the current academic year and the next couple of academic years. So the recovery premium, um, the flexibilities around the use of the recovery premium mean that you you can, and it's probably a good idea, to look at that alongside your pupil premium grant, use that pot of funding as one, if that, if that makes it uh, more straightforward, um, and include that funding in your pupil premium strategy. And I think that does streamline um, for, for school leaders. I think that that streamlines how you use this funding so you can look at it as one. A final point, <clears throat> excuse me, which is a really good question raised by a colleague, um, a delegate um, at the webinar. So in the last academic year, we had the catch up premium, which was a one off um, pot um, and was targeted at uh, it was on a per pupil basis. So it wasn't specifically targeted at um 
disadvantage. If you happen to have any of the catch-up premium left, you can roll that forward, use that in this year, and also put that into the pot and include that in the funding that you are um, evidencing and utilising on those pupil premium templates, those strategy templates. And I think it, it was just helpful to give people confidence to do, because school leaders know what needs to be done. They know which children need support and how they're going to do it. The last thing you need to be is constrained by thinking, you know, am I able to do this? Is there a risk of this money being taken back? So I think there's some really clear messages there. And the, the other um, point that I think we ne we need to make is that business leaders need to be part of that strategic conversation, not because we are going to have an insight into how how the support should be delivered. We may have, it depends on our background, but in role, that's not going to be our remit. But it's really important that we're part of that strategic conversation so that I think we can add to that confidence talking to the Senko curriculum, the, the um, heads of school or the principal, to add confidence to their decisions about, yes, we can do this, we can, and this is the, the level of funding that we're going to attach to it. This is how much people premium, recovery premium, etc. So I, I think there's there's a real um a, a real opportunity to to put that idea that you know managing a budget is a team sport real great opportunity here to put that into practice which will and it will definitely be to the benefit of those disadvantaged uh, young people completely agree julia i mean you well you know me so you know that actually this is one of the policy lines that i feel really passionate about and i think particularly just linking it back to the the blueprint we said some specific things and i think that focus particularly on how we support uh, children young people families that are in persistent poverty as well we know there are some people that have been directly affected by the the pandemic but i never want to lose sight of that generational um, persistent poverty that, that some families are in and just how important that funding is. And I think the other thing that I'm really comfortable with is that, that, it, that that's, as part of the strategy that we do do these plans and that we make those visible and that they're transparent because I think it really helps from the point of view within your local community or when you're talking to parents and carers that your thoughts and your planning and your strategy that goes into that plan being visible means that if you do ever have a conversation with a parent who's saying, well, how are you supporting my child? Is there funding for them to go on the residential um, trip? Those sorts of things. You can come back to your plan and that plan is there in place for all the children that are eligible for the pupil premium grant. And so that you've got something to go back to, because I think that's really important. We see it's quite challenging sometimes with um, SEND and having those conversations. And I think it's similar with the pupil premium grant. So from a, an accountability point of view, and I don't know whether you agree, I'm really comfortable that this is an expectation that schools put that information out there so it's visible to their community. Yes, I yeah, I, I agree. I am really comfortable with it. I, I think it's just, you know, in school, we know what needs to be done to support to support these children and young people. Um, and we also know that as holders of the public purse, uh, we, we have a duty to be able to demonstrate value for money and how we are using that. And this is just just an extension. Of, and, you know, you're writing the plan anyway. It, it, it's I think I think we're sort of we should be comfortable um, with with demonstrating and the, these new templates. I know there's been a little bit of frustration I think around the fact that um, they 
a new set of templates were introduced earlier this year and then they've been revised slightly. But I think they've been revised with all good intention as a response to feedback from, from the first set of templates. So I think we should look at it, take it in good faith that they've been revised um, to support um, schools in, in, in using them. And there are there are exemplars for uh, different age ranges of the types of things um, that you might want to include. So there's there's lots of evidence, uh, sorry, lots of guidance and, and examples of, of how to use that. So, and again, say as a business leader, be aware um, that this is going on and particularly around the funding, it's you that somebody's going to come to and say, how, how can we use this? Is this, a, is this okay to be presenting it this way? Yeah, no, I think that's that's really, really good um, advice, Julia. So if we just move on to a slightly different topic, with so much going on, you may have missed that actually there was quite um, a big announcement at COP26 in Glasgow from Nadeem Sahawi, who's the um, the schools minister, and they've launched a new strategy called the um, Sustainability and Climate Change for Education. And the reason I want to, to mention it is... Um, because there's an important consultation period. They've launched the strategy, but very, very importantly, they've launched it as a draft. And their intention is to consult on it with um, parts of the sector, with sector representatives, and also with groups of um, school children as well. And that consultation period is running from November through to March next year, with the intention that the strategy will go uh, live as a final version in April. Um, And there's a lot in the strategy. So um, what we're doing is uh, Tiff Harris, who is our fabulous primary specialist colleague, is hosting a primary network meeting on the 7th of December at five o'clock, which is free for all members uh, to attend. And you're very, very welcome to sign up for that. We're going to talk you through those proposals um, and we want to get your feedback. There's a couple of really big things that the government seem really keen on. Um, The first being the National Education Nature Park. And the sense that I get, the idea of that is to view the estates, the the, the school college estates within England as um, a sort of one entity and to come up with this sort of virtual platform where information could be uploaded um, and compared. So really interested to see what your thoughts are on that. And then the second initiative that they're, they're really keen on is this idea of a Climate Leaders Award, which brings together some of those existing leaders. Um, I mean, I'm part of my background is primary, so I'm super familiar with the Eco Schools Award. And the thinking is around this Climate Leaders Award is it will be something similar to the Duke of Edinburgh. So that sort of silver gold sort of um, layering. So uh, that there are there's progress and there's layers that, that schools can potentially achieve. Um, and then particularly for primary, the reason that I want to come along and talk to our primary network colleagues is there's an idea in there around a model science primary curriculum so we'd be very very interested to know what you think and I'd particularly like to know from business leaders there's a number of strategies that I don't think have the level of detail that we would like to see but there's some in there around energy management around site adaptations around new build schools and I would absolutely love to hear from business leaders if you've got some uh, thoughts on what is within the strategy what's missing from the strategy I mean, I feel like the uh, the huge elephant in the room um, is what funding's going to come along from this. And there is, I can hear Julia and Louisa sniggering a little bit. And it's because to me, if we're going to put this strategy in place, then we know that schools are going to need some significant investment. I mean, if you look at um, the DfE's own data on the school's condition, um, the last report that was released, 
the system needs 11.4 billion pounds just to bring the school and college estate up to a good level. That's not including anything to do with sustainability, with things like initiatives of putting PV panels on your roof, replacing boilers. That is just to put us in into where we should be. So I feel very strongly on this that, and I would love if anybody wants to send us in a statement saying that you support us in that, saying what your school needs in terms of funding to be able to do some of these initiatives, please do get in contact with us. And the way to do that is to email us at tellus at askall.org.uk. And similarly, if you've got any feedback on anything that we've talked about, so Julia was talking before about the, the pupil premium grant and the new templates, anything like that where you think there are things that um, that we need to know about and you want to share your views with us, please do. And my, my plea is we hear from a lot of our deputy assistant heads, our head teacher members, our CEO members, we don't always hear that often from business leaders and we'd love to have your feedback because it's just as valuable as everybody else's. And just a little reminder, that session to talk about the sustainability and climate change um, uh, document is on the 7th of December at five o'clock and we would love for you to come along and join us. You don't have to be a primary member to do that. If you're a business leader who wants to come along and, and hear that section of the meeting, you'd be very, very welcome. Um, that's all from us today. A huge thank you for joining us and we'll be back soon. The Askell Business Brunch.